Good evening, church. I hope you're having a good evening. It's another Wednesday at Gasville Baptist Church. And uh, thanks again to Brother Galen for making this possible. Uh, praise God for the rain. We needed it so desperately. Uh, tonight, I wanted us to look briefly at the life of the Apostle Paul. I have several different scriptures, and I've entitled this, Notice Paul. And to start with, uh, two scriptures I wanted to look at to sort of set the theme is, the first one is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. And it says, not because we do not have authority, and he's been talking to them about what kind of apostolic authority he has. He says, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. But to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. And then, uh, Ephesians, I mean, yeah, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, To me, whom less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And that's going to be our main text tonight, is Ephesians 3, 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So he was the least among the saints. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 15.10, he says he's the least of all the apostles. And when I say notice Paul, it's because Paul really gives us an example of how to live the Christian life. It's great to say we're Christians. It's great to know what that means. In most of Paul's epistles, uh, most of his writings, probably all of them, he starts the first set few chapters with the doctrines that we need to understand about the doctrine of grace and, and how we're saved through faith alone, uh, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And, and then he'll talk about other problems that they might have bent the doctrine or some false teachers uh, that he's confronting. But in the last of all of his books, he goes, how does that work out practically? In other words, how do we live out daily the Christian life? And Paul is an example of how to do that. And so that's why I wanted to look at him and say, notice Paul. There's some things that he has that we need to do to live out on a daily basis so that we can witness to others, so that others can see what the Christian life looks like as it's lived out daily in our lives. So we're going to, to look at that. And, and let's just begin with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for your blessings. Uh, we praise you uh, for all you're about in our lives. In the midst of everything that's going on in our nation and around the world, it is comforting to know that you are still God. It is comforting to know that your will will still be done. It's comforting to know that we rest in your power, your knowledge, and your presence, Father. And so now, Father, make your word come alive. And Father, teach us how to live out our Christian lives. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, I was thinking as I looked at some of these scriptures, at the different ones who have influenced my life, uh, the people that I sort of held up in high esteem, the ones that I wanted to be like. One was my mother, the earliest influence on my life, as I've shared many times. My father was not a Christian until I was a senior in high school. And he was just the opposite of my mother, where she would be the salt, he was 
the other stuff. And where she would be the light, he was the darkness. Now, he's been saved, and, and I've seen a radical transformation in his life. So, so praise God for that. But here she was with four little kids. She raised us to be Christians. She raised us. Uh, through her example of going to church by herself, through her example of reading the Bible to us, through her example of trying to instill Christian values in us when Dad was really fighting the opposite battle and trying to throw other things into his life, into our lives by his example and his words. My Uncle Dick was one of the finest Christian men I ever knew because I, I hadn't really had an example of what a Christian man looked like. But uh, all through his life, he served Christ faithfully as a deacon. He helped the church. He helped the pastors. Even towards the end of his life, when he suffered several health problems, he still praised Christ. He still lived for Jesus. I could go on and on. Uh, my father-in-law was a great influence on my life. Uh, um, just being a pastor for 50-something years and doing what he did and serving faithfully. Another fellow was Bill Philiber, who was a, a, my father-in-law's age, and he did the same thing. We go on and on, but if you don't have that kind of example of what a Christian looks like living daily, we need to look at Paul. And so we're going to take this text and know some things from the text and add some other scriptures to it to fill it out. Because Paul is an example of how to live our Christian lives. So the first point would be, notice Paul's humility. Notice Paul's humility. In this text in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. He is the least of all the saints. Uh, he's the least of the apostles, he said in other places. It's not a false type of humility. It's not, oh, woe is me. It is this. He looks at himself and who he is and who he was in light of Christ's righteousness, in light of the perfection of Jesus Christ. It caused him to be humble. And it should do us the same way. Uh, James says to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And if we submit to him and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will raise us up in due time. God throughout the scriptures resists those who are proud, who are arrogant, who are vain. He brings judgment upon them. And if that's not enough, it's the exact opposite of the love Jesus showed and the example he set in growing to the cross even though he was totally sinless to pay for my sin and your sins. Paul's humility was he realized who he was in relationship to Jesus Christ. We should never get over being saved. Why would God choose me a sinner? Why would God choose you a sinner? Because of his great love, because of who he is. But because of that, we should never think that God's lucky to have us. We should never think we have arrived. We should never think, well, I'm better than so-and-so, or why are they being blessed and I'm not? We don't compare ourselves with ourselves or with others. We compare ourselves to Jesus Christ. And when Paul did that, he said, I am the least of all the saints. Now, we could keep going uh, in uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. There's a spider. Get him off of there. Uh, <clears throat> verse 15 uh, Paul reminds us this is a faithful saying worthy of all exception that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of who I 
am chief. He knew he was a sinner. Do we remember that we're sinners? Do we remember we were saved by grace? Do you remember how bad we were? Now, Paul knew all those things. If you want some examples in, uh, let me see, Philippians 3, I think. Um, uh, <clears throat> Paul uh, is reminding himself of who he was. And when you go through there, he said he persecuted the church of God. And, and that, that uh, even though he had done that, Jesus still loved him and saved him. Uh, do we understand that? 1 Timothy 1.15. And then he said this. i got to go before that. I'm sorry. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it in ignorance. We could go on. He talks uh, in Acts about uh, him being a witness at Stephen's uh, execution, stoning. In, in Acts 8.1 and Acts 9.1, it talks about the persecution broke out and, and Saul was the one who made havoc of the church. It means like a wild boar tearing everything up. Uh, he drug men and women off to their deaths to be stoned or to be put in prison. He was a witness against them. All those things he did. And because of that, he said, I am less than the least of all the saints. I'm the chief sinner. Now, because he remembered everything he had done, how his life had been, you'd think, ooh. But it did not paralyze him. Because by the grace of God, he was saved. By the grace of God, uh, God had given him a ministry. In, in uh, this Ephesians 3 passage in verse 7, it says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. We don't have to be paralyzed by our past. It, it should make us to pursue righteousness. It should make us press on. It, it stirred up Paul to do more than other folks had done. Do we understand uh, some of those things um, that he said uh, in those verses, do we understand that he said, this caused me uh, to keep on pressing on? Uh, do we understand that, that he said that I am the least of the saints and the chief of the sinners? Uh, he said, though I might have confidence in the flesh, I don't. In Ephesians 3, 4. Uh, you need to understand that his humility was. It's not based upon who I was in the flesh. It was not based on, on uh, was not based on my accomplishments. Uh, in that Ephesians three passage, he really uh, goes to town telling about who he who he was. He says, "I might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so." circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is the law, blameless. And he says, all these things I considered as loss to obtain Christ. And they were. And so we need to ask, in our own lives, are we humble? Do we do the things that God would have us to do? We are commanded uh, in Philippians chapter 2, 
Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Uh, look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he said, look, I am less than the least of the saints. We're not to compare ourselves with others. Uh, we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Uh, we need to ask, in our daily walk, are we humble before God and before men? Not a false humility, humility, but humility based on two things. I remember what a great sinner I was. And even today have that inclination. And I remember how great the righteousness of Christ was that he could lay his life down on the cross for me. He could raise the third day and one day he's going to call me forth. And he saved me gloriously. That humbles me. I hope that we realize that the first step of living out our Christian life is not to walk around like a proud peacock. It's not to walk around looking out our noses very sacred at others that are sinners. It's not to say mean things to them. You're a sinner. Look at this sin you did. We have sin in our own life. As Jesus said, uh, you hypocrite, don't try to take the speck, the little bitty dot out of your brother's eye when you have a two by four in your eye. Take that out and then you'll see clearly. It's a matter of humility, not judging others. The second thing, notice Paul's qualification. He says to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. That's his humility. Here's his qualification. This grace was given. This grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace, the qualification was that God had saved him. That God had given him grace to become a minister of the gospel of the Gentiles. That God gives grace to those who have need. And all of us have need. We need God to work in our lives. Do we understand that's his qualification? We need uh, uh, qualifications. Second uh, um, Timothy uh, 2, 1, 11 uh, says this. To which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, uh, and a teacher for the Gentiles. He was appointed specifically for the Gentiles. That's you, that's me. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, he has some other things to say about that. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I'll get to it eventually. He says these words. He says, in 2 Corinthians 29, He said to me, My grace is sufficient, my strength is made perfect in weakness, therefore I most gladly will I boast uh, in my weaknesses. I'm sorry, y'all. These pages are sticking together on me. I'm going to do that. Of my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, Paul was all about his qualifications. See, God's call is God's, power, is God's power to carry out what he wants done. And that's a part of his grace. Grace here means multifaceted. 
In other words, if you looked at the largest diamond you could look at under a microscope and you could see the different segments of it and the different dimensions of it and the different sparkles of it, the different colors as, it, as light angled through it, then that's a picture of God's grace. You can never quite see it all. And he said all of us have experienced God's grace in one special way. He called us to Jesus Christ for salvation. And then differently, as he appoints our gifts and our working for his kingdom in his church, it's multifaceted. We have different aspects that go together. And Paul's was to be an apostle, a minister, a preacher to the Gentiles. But it started with the grace of God, and he humbled himself to that. And we need to ask ourselves, have we experienced God's grace? Have we experienced... Uh, and are living in that grace to do what he wants us to do. Do you remember on a daily basis and wake up thanking God for his grace? Thank God I woke up this morning. Thank God I live in a free land. Thank God that I'm healthy enough to get up. Thank God that I'm still alive. Thank God for your grace. Now, Lord, as your grace works through me today, help me to share your grace with others. So we have Paul's humility, we have Paul's qualification. The third point is we have Paul's commission. He says, I'm less than the least of the saints. That's his humility. This grace was given. That is his qualification. His commission is this, that I should preach among the Gentiles. That I should preach among the Gentiles? That is so funny to me. Um, in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 7, he says, I became a minister uh, for the effective working of his power, uh, purpose through his power. And, and uh, he, he goes on and he, he says a lot of things about what he was called to do. You see, he was appointed as a minister to the Gentiles, an apostle to the Gentiles. I said, well, why is that so funny? <clears throat> see, it wasn't his calling. It was God's calling. Think about it. You have a Hebrew of the Hebrews as he listed those things. You have one that is a true Jew. You have one that sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the greatest rabbis of, of all of Israel's faith. He was taught there. You had one that was rising, as it talks about in the book of Acts, past his peers, ascending the ladder to supremacy towards the Sanhedrin, the ruling body. He had a brilliant mind, as you can read in his letters. All those benefits, circumcised, a Hebrew of the Hebrew, the tribe of Benjamin, uh, uh, concerning the law of Pharisee, the conservative branch of Judaism. All those benefits physically, and yet he wasn't called to go and minister and to preach to his own nation. To his own people, he was called to go to the heathens. He was called to go to those that the Jews looked down upon, the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, the unclean. That's why it's funny to me. So I've often wondered, wondered if Paul could really go where he wanted to go, what would he do that I should preach? that I should preach. See, again, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He gave me grace towards me and not in vain that I labored more abundantly than they all. 
Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. In other words, to preach. To preach his call to the Gentiles. My goodness. But notice again, uh, Paul's fear. So he has a, uh, a humility. He has a commission from God. Uh, okay. Uh, he has qualifications in Jesus Christ, saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But his fear was among the Gentiles. What a thing to do. What a thing to go towards. In the book of Philippians. Chapter 3. Paul talks about some of this. In chapter 3. He says that he's qualified in all these ways, but these things that were gained to me I've counted as loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own which is from the law, but a righteousness which comes from God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death if by any means I may obtain the resurrection of the dead. And he goes on and says he presses towards the upward call of Jesus. But it was all about the Jewish boy, totally Jewish, going to the Gentiles. Now, why is that so important? When the Gentiles started getting saved, whether it was when Peter preached to them, at Cornelius' house or where the Paul preached to him, the Jewish Christians had a lot of questions about that. Matter of fact, many false teachers in what we call the sect of the Judaizers saying you had to go through Judaism first and be uh, circumcised no matter what age you were if you came to Christ, if you were really going to be saved. And they had started adding things to it and Paul thought that, especially in the book of Galatians, and said that's not the true gospel. But do you understand what that means? Paul was the perfect bridge between Judaism and Christianity because he'd been saved out of Judaism. He knew all the laws. He knew what to do. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. That's why he could search the Old Testament scriptures and see Christ everywhere, as we should. That's why he could tell them they were saved just like us. They have the same Holy Spirit just as we do. They were given the same gifts. They were saved the same way we were. And God used this great Jewish man after he was saved to be the apostle to the Gentiles to give them the exp explanation of who Jesus is as far as the New Testament, but also how he fulfilled all the Old Testament. And for the Jews that had questions about, was this really right? He could go and argue with Peter uh, that this was what God was doing. That this had been God's eternal purpose. You remember the Jews were supposed to bless the whole earth. Priests to the whole world. And they'd never done that. They guarded their God jealously and looked at everybody else as just being firewood to stoke the fires of hell. Paul says, no, not so. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles. Glorious. Glorious to bring us hope 
where Peter focused on the Jews and then Paul focused on the Gentiles, God was making us not Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians, but all Christians. It works this way in our day. I want you to understand it. There's no such thing as a black Christian or a brown Christian or a yellow Christian or a white Christian or a rich Christian or a poor Christian. We're all in Christ. We're to be one body. And we may have differences of belief and doctrine is important. And I'll never back down from that. But when we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we all belong to Jesus. We're all Christians no matter our age. And you don't have to add anything to Jesus to be saved. Not baptism, not tongues, not doing special works, not having to go through Judaism, not doing certain rites. You don't do a checklist Christianity. There are things you will do to make sure you're walking the way you're supposed to. You're going to guard your humbleness. You're going to look at your qualification of grace and, and your commission of God, whether it's to preach or be a deacon or a teacher or just to be a, a good layman in the church to support the kingdom work. But your sphere is everywhere God has placed you. Your world is what's your neighborhood? What's your work? What's your play? Who do your kids associate with? Those are the ones we're to touch with the gospel of Jesus. That's how we live in our Christian life. Whether it's through kindness, through words, through deeds, we do that. The last thing that Paul did, not only his humility, his qualification, his commission, his fear of influence, notice his thing. He said, I should preach among the Gentiles, notice, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable means exactly that. In other words, we can't fathom how deep it is. We can't totally grasp uh, the exhaustion of how, how the riches of Christ are. And, and, and even though we're to try and we're to study and we're to live in it, it, it can't be done. Ephesians 1.18 uh, says it. This away, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And then 2 Corinthians 8, if I can find it, 9, he said this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he is rich, for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Rich how? In the blessings of God, in being a joint heir with Christ, in sharing the provinces of the covenants of Israel. We could go on and on and on. The unsearchable riches of Christ. When we say that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we say, yeah, 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 yeah. But we forget what that means. We have a rich heritage. We have a, a Bible that's full of promises for us. We have a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Holy Spirit living within us to guide us to direct us, to help us understand the Word. Uh, we have a God who says He's going to work all things together because we love Him or called according to His purpose. He's going to work them together for good. 
We have a God that's the God of all comfort. We have a God that we can cast our cares upon because he cares for us. We have a God that said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. And because of that, we're not to be afraid. Those are just a few, just the tip of the iceberg of the riches of Jesus Christ. The glory that's going to be revealed in us at that last day because we are in Christ and he is in us. That's how we're to live out our Christian life. Not as those that are defeated, not as those who are just, uh, not as those who are angry at the world, but as those who are filled with the love of Christ who've been saved by the grace of Christ. Remember that this week as you go through. Look at the life of Paul. Look at the life of Jesus. Read the Gospels and see how to live in Christ. I love you. Good night, church.